Welcome to the Real Estate Lowdown. I'm your host, Bill Bymel. The Real Estate Lowdown is your weekly opportunity to step into the conversations going on in today's real estate and mortgage markets. We explore terms and concepts of the industry, host interviews of intriguing industry cohorts from high net worth investors to real estate agents just making their mark. We will share our love of all things real estate, bringing you the most innovative and sustainable real estate lifestyle ideas each and every week. If you enjoy what you hear today, hit the follow button, subscribe, so you don't miss an episode, and please share your support with a quick review. You can find me on the web at billbymel.com, and thanks for joining this episode of the Real Estate Lowdown. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Lowdown. I'm your host, Bill Bymel. Happy Labor Day, everyone. We are recording this week's episode almost live, just a day before we launch it. It is the Tuesday after Labor Day 2023, to provide some context if you're you know, listening to this in the year 2300. The Real Estate Lowdown, as you know, if you're a regular listener, I just want to thank you again. All the great feedback we get, whether it's friends or people, colleagues that I haven't talked to in in years, and I find out that you've listened to the podcast, it really does make a world of difference to me. It, it supports my mission to provide entertainment and education around the world of real estate and mortgage finance and just, you know, doing well for society through investing. Anyways, so, you know, on today's episode, we're going to do a real tidbit series. And I, given last week, we interviewed our friend Fred Moskowitz and we were talking about the capital raising world. I think it's a prescient topic. So today's tidbit is about capital raising and ways to structure potential fundraising efforts, as well as kind of the world of investors that exist out there. This could be a two-hour episode if I really wanted to dig into it, and we'll probably have other tidbit series along the way that dig deeper into specific types of words and types of of things in the capital raising world. But today, we're just going to do the 30,000-foot perspective on capital raising as today's tidbit. As a reminder, the Real Estate Lowdown is a weekly podcast. We're either interviewing industry cohorts or we're giving you our Real Tidbit series, which is speaking about specific industries, specific terms within our real estate investing industry or the mortgage finance world, and trying to drill down for, in layman's terms, what these terms are to try to create an encyclopedia for generations to come. So back to current events. September is always my favorite time of year in the world of distressed investing. And the reason I say that is that if you look historically over the last 
150 years of the United States' modern economy. And, and obviously, some would argue what modern is. Some might say a modern economy might be uh, post-petrodollar of the 1970s, really the last 50 years. But if you look at the history of the United States over the last 100 to 150 years, there is a range of economic cycles that we go through. And some of the greatest stressful moments in our economy, you can pin to the months of September and October. Whether it was, you know, the great crash of that started the Great Depression, the fall of Lehman Brothers that started the financial crisis of 2008, the, what was it? Black Monday. It was October in the, in the nineties. There is traditionally September and October have been the months where if there was something that cracked in the economy or something that, you know, a shift in economic cycles, as we know, society goes through cycles that often has come in September. So I always kind of pull out my popcorn and look at, at the month of September is the month that everyone's coming back from the Hamptons, from their trips to Europe, from their summer vacations and their kids camps. And their, you know, post Labor Day is really when we all buckle down and, and start to look at the fall and what we want to accomplish, what we want to do before the end of the year. It's a great time from a capital raising perspective to really focus on any goals you have for the end of the year. Because obviously, if you're dealing in capital raising, you're dealing with an investor class. And there's a couple of key f factors to the investor class, you know, that, that really tr ring true. Folks with money that would be potential investors are not necessarily easy to reach during the months of July, August, and December. Those are vacationing months, holiday months for the upper class. So I think that's interesting comparative to today, September of 2023, is we just came off of a month of August where we have had seen multiple bank offerings of paper from distressed bank sellers, or in some cases, what banks and private investors who claim not to be distressed but would not be putting this paper, this non-performing paper out for sale if it wasn't for some, some, some concerns under the sheets, so to speak. So the writing is on the wall, folks. The, and anyone that you speak to, whether you're an investor or an investment manager or just someone living their life in the regular economy of 2023, we all have this sense that it is a calm before the storm. And, and uh, we just don't know what the black swan event, shoe drop event will be that has society kind of looking in the, the next direction that, that perhaps there, there needs to be a realignment of interest. You know, silently, quietly, there's been several hundred bank M&As over the last six months. You don't read a lot about in the news. At the beginning of the year, there was uh, 1,600 regional community banks in this country, and that number is closer to 1,300 today. Expect to see more of that. 
We've seen some notices from FDIC recently about, about some tighter regulations they are planning to put on regional banks and credit unions. So get your popcorn ready. And why is this important? Well, this is the context by which we are speaking to your investor class because, you know, most of the people you will be raising capital from, whether they, it's their own cash or they are a money manager for a family office or whether they are an investment manager for an institution or a pension fund or an endowment, any one of these folks are all going to be speaking from the context of the world they're looking at. And obviously that plays two roles here when it comes to capital raising. The capital raising environment, you know, I consider really segmented into three sections of, of potential types of investors. There is the first section of investor, which is your fam, friends and family investor. Those are people that you know personally who might invest with you just because and not even because the deal itself has merit. And in many cases, it could be both where, you know, this, they like the deal, but you know, you don't have a track record. So there's not maybe really nothing to stand on professionally. So that close relationship and trust with your investor that brings them over the finish line to invest in a deal that looks good on paper, but you know, is obviously they're taking a chance with you. In this first of three classes is really where most of us go to get started as investment managers or to get started on our own deals in the business. It's where as an individual real estate fix and flip investor, you can pool assets together with friends and family money. You don't need subscription documents. You can create single asset entities or single pool entities with specific investors. That way you can shift the size and scope of your investors from deal to deal. And that's really what you often will find in the friends and family class. As a young fund manager three years ago, this friends and family class was where my partner and I really sought the initial group of investors to start our fund at First Lean Capital. That was money that when, you know, my partner and I put together, you know, over a hundred, over a million bucks of our own cash initially and then raised uh, close to six million dollars amongst friends, family. And this includes in my accountant, our attorneys, we have friends of friends. And that is your, your first class of investor, usually the easiest one to get supporting. The second class is what I like to call the family office class. And this doesn't, it's not just family offices. It also includes a level of private equity firms or institutional level quality type firms that may be playing in the big boy network, but also seek to do deals with young emerging managers. And that's why I call this class number two. The, the family office network or the institutional groups, the RIAs, which would include, you know, registered investment advisors from your local area. And these are folks who, once you've developed a little bit of a track record and you can go to that group 
and start raising larger sums of money. You can be asking for 500,000 to $5 million checks to $50 million checks. It was in that second level where we met a New York institutional multi-billion dollar hedge fund, but which was really run, is really run more like a family office. It's one, you know, a single really genius brain at the top of it with a, you know, a team of institutional folks from around the company, country. And they kind of, you know, so there's a number of billion dollar institutional investment firms that would fall into what I call the family office class. These are more high touch private equity investors and institutional guys and groups that I have traditionally, this is the about the highest level that I've ever pierced in terms of my fundraising capabilities. The third level is the, is the ultra wealthy institutional private equity pension funds, endowments and foreign money, sovereign wealth money. And these all require a level of track record an ability to an audited financial track record, a complete team of legal and funded vet management and auditors in place. You need to be usually at a certain size, usually a minimum of a couple hundred million bucks of AUM at this point and, and a, and a multi-year tra- audited financial track record. In many cases, you, we, you would be licensed or registered with the SEC at this point. And that third class is where, you know, the checks start at 25 million and go up into the hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, each one of these classes have a different set of qualities that you would attune to to what their needs are, but all of them have very similar needs as well. And that is to say that you need to be well presented. You need to have a brand. You need to have some track record. You need to have a very clear and concise strategy that you can elucidate in an elevator pitch in just a matter of minutes. And you've got to be able to present yourself in a way that has people trust you, that you know what you're doing. Because what you as a capital raiser are also known as the sponsor of the deal. When you go out to raise money, you're the general partner. And in many, and in the ideal scenario, we look to structure our deals in a GPLP structure. We'll do a separate tidbit about that at some point, but the general partner as you, is who we are as the sponsor, and we're out raising capital from each of these three classes, you know, and through various various attempts, at, you know, at, at how to do that. You know, what's most, there are a lot of great resources on how to raise capital. I would recommend, first and foremost, if you've listened to my podcast with my friend Rich Wilson of the Family Office Club, familyoffices.com has an endless resource of op- of options available to learn how to brand yourself and how to speak to investors. There's a number of books out there as well. The bottom line is capital raising can be a tricky subject and one that, you know, just because you're great at deals, sourcing deals, finding deals, 
the capital raising process is really a different job. It's a different career. It's something that I've had to learn on my own completely out of the blue. I actually started joining the family office club seven years ago when as an asset manager who was doing deals, I realized I needed to now learn how to capital raise. Get that this is a different career. It is a different type of a job. Many firms in hire not only people, but entire divisions just to focus on capital raising. So don't be surprised if you can't do it yourself. It's an important aspect of the process to becoming a fund manager or investment manager or any deal you want to invest in. And we'll talk more about capital raising on future episodes. We'll drill down deeper into each of the three categories. In the meantime, that's it for today's episode. If you like what you hear today's episode or any of our episodes, please subscribe, please like us, and maybe even leave a note. I mean, leave a comment for us so that others will see how great we are here at the Real Estate Lowdown. If you have any ideas for future episodes, hit me up. You can find me on the web at billbymel.com. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Real Estate Lowdown. That's a wrap of today's episode of the Real Estate Lowdown. I enjoy bringing this content to you each and every week, and I really appreciate you tuning in. If you haven't already done so, please share the Real Estate Lowdown or any episode, any favorite episode with your friends, family, and, you know, if you don't mind, leave a positive review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember to follow us so you don't do get notified every time a new episode is released. Love to hear from you directly at billbymel.com. Till then, see you next time.